Hey everybody, it's your old pal Mitch Halleck, producer of Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con and CT Gamer Con, both happening at Mohegan Sun. And I just want to let you know, if you're not following us on the almighty social network, you're missing out on a bunch of stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter at It's Terrific Con. That's I-T-S-T-E-R-R-I-F-I-C-O-N. It's Terrific Con. And if you're into gaming, make sure you check us out on Twitter at CT Gamer Con. That's C-T-G-A-M-E-R-C-O-N. And as always, you can look for us on Facebook at Terrificon and CT GamerCon, and we're even on Instagram. So do me a favor and follow me there. Plus, check out my brand new show on YouTube, Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure, where we go every two weeks and look back at the things you love, TV, movies, toys, and more. That's Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure. Now sit back and get ready for another episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Thanks. You're listening to Terrific Con presents the Power Cosmic Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to everything you love. That's comic books, TV, movies, collectibles, and more. Brought to you by Mitchell A.S. Halleck, the producer of Terrific Con, the world's greatest comic con every summer at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Join Mitch and his special guest, Jerry Ordway, and his pals all across the comic fandom as they talk about the things you love. Now, sit back, get ready, and listen to today's episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. All right. What's today's date? I always do this. Uh, Is it March 11th? March 11th, and you are here. You're listening to another episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast on the Mutual Broadcasting Network. Buy bonds. Anyway, here's the deal. Today, I'm getting ready to come out to go see you, and I said, oh, you know what? It's nice warm weather, Yeah. so let me go put on a t-shirt, because it's, it's cold, right? right. i got to put this t-shirt on. I got this for Christmas. It's a thing. Right. It says it's clobbering time. Okay, what's cool? Whatever. It is so long. Oh. <laughs> it is like, it, it's, I don't know why. That's what I said. I said, I put it on, and Sharon goes, What do you got, a moo on? I go, I'm not wearing, I'm not wearing a moo face. <laughs> it's, just, it's very long. It's almost coming down below my crotch. Right. And I go, What's up with that? You're tucking you know? it into your pants. I did. I, tu- I, I, did. I, I had to tuck it into the pants because the it was pants. hanging underneath my. <laughs> <laughs> I had a jacket on, and the shirt's hanging below the jacket, which is never it's cool. Look. And Sharon goes, what do you got on? You're wearing like a moo-moo. I go, it's not a moo-moo. It's a thing shirt. It says it's clobbering time. She goes, it's a moo-moo. I said, no. Did you it's tuck not it in? Yeah, I did. I yeah. tucked it in, so now it's tucked in. But I like so like big bunch of Yeah, 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 exactly. I never, I, I, was, I never wanted to tuck a t-shirt in because I always felt like, well, that's the ultimate nerdiness. Yeah, you're going to yeah, be tucking yeah. your teeth. Oh, I'm sorry, Jared. Hey. No, you have layers. You tuck in the layers no. and then the outer we'll shirt. Look at Oh, is it, is it white jeans weather yet? Yeah. <laughs> you'll <laughs> know because you'll see a picture online when it's white jeans It'll have to weather. be after, after, after Memorial Day. Everybody knows it's, it's a faux pas to wear them after Labor Day. So anyway, that was the traditional stuff. So no, I was thinking that I threw out so many clothes 
during this pandemic because I clean out the closet, yeah. I clean out the dryer. I'll never. Wear, I had shirts literally I from remember. like so long ago. I'm like, why do I have this? I I'm never going to wear this. I took shirts, the, yeah. all my superhero shirts yeah. that were like 20 years old. Yeah, and you dumped them. No, I didn't dump them. I folded them up nicely and I put I, them on a chair. I did that too. And then I yeah. keep looking at them going, what should I give them the Goodwill? Should yeah, I keep yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all the ones that like graffiti did this yeah, whole yeah, yeah, series graffiti of Marvel design. ones yes. in like 90, yeah. 93, 4, whatever. So I feel kind of like I, uh, I should keep them. No, but I was doing that too. Like, what am I going to do with these? And I made stacks. Yeah. These are, I actually sub broke it down like comic books. These are the Marvel ones. Right. These are the DC ones. Then I go, here's some Bruce Springsteen ones. Here's some like New York Giants and Yankee look shirts. Online and see if there's any value. I don't think people them. want to buy old clothes, but then I always feel they bad. Buy, I go, no, there's a, there's a. Market, is there really for vintage clothes? Oh, bands, yeah. But I think that any of those, because like the the ones I had, like the graffiti, uh, they did the thing. With I the, had Grim Jack T-shirts. Well, there was a Hulk one that had the back. It was the the front was. You know the Hulk. Here comes the, back, the Hulk. The back is him pulling the little. Yeah, toy. That, that, Joe said it through that. But Most I mean, this was, was like a, I had this one. I had like about. But that was originally from the Marvel days. That those was were, the Marvel right, Marvel Society. The, yeah, but they redid them. Graffiti did oh, all of those. They did new they versions did? of them in oh. like the nineties. I would. Did they do the Fantastic Four one? I was like that one. Yeah. Where they had all the heads and the four. Yeah. Oh, really? I mean, I had a silver. See, that's surfer a cool one. shirt. It's a, on a black. Jack shirt Kirby with the yeah Kirby silver oh, surfer. Nice. And I would wear that. I mean, like I would wear them to the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. secretly, secretly wearing my silver surfer shirt. shirt. No, but yeah. The, so I, I have a hard time getting rid of that type of yeah. stuff because I kind of feel like just to send it off to Goodwill. Maybe whoever looks at the Goodwill stuff goes, yeah, this is too ratty. And they well, throw it away. away. I always see that too because there's another thing. There's the Goodwill, the Salvation Army. But then there's these boxes that you see at the supermarket sometimes, like, right. send these clothes to, like, some war-torn country. I mean, many people probably throw garbage in there. So I know. I'm good. always like, do they really go where they're supposed to go? And then I go, do I want to buy someone's ratty old sweaty t-shirt? Do you wash it? Okay. Do they buy, wash it? I used to buy, like... Thrift my, store my stuff, like likes, vintage clothes? My son likes seven, like the tie-dye era... And I would go on eBay and I'd find like an old tour shirt for a Grateful Dead that had a really, oh, really? cool design or whatever. And I would buy them. Were they expensive? Five About bucks. 20 bucks. Really? Yeah. Oh. Sometimes something more, depending on what shirt it was. No, so I re- there's I, a market for it if you care to. The oldest shirt I own is the first concert shirt I ever bought. You know what it was? 1978 Steve Martin Wild and Crazy Guide oh, Tour. Funny. New Haven, Connecticut. Is it the one with the balloon on his yeah. head? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got his like fingers in his mouth like that, like right. making a face. That's the very first concert shirt. That's the very first concert I ever went to. I was ten years old or eleven. My seven dollar ticket. My grandmother bought me the ticket Were they for seven bucks. That he swore. Oh, she took me to the show. Yeah. She was fifty something, right. and I was like, you know, ten, eleven. And yeah, he said. The yeah. a lot of Oh, effort. my grandmother was not happy with that. Yeah. But I was a kid. I didn't know. Steve Martin was selling out the New Haven Coliseum. Oh, that no, was a big was, deal. Yeah. He was huge. Was that before or He after played King, King Tut. Tut. No, he did play King that Tut. Was dur- during the that King was during Tut. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was like the number one a number one hit. I still have the 45. Yeah, That's how old too. I am. I kept that. Which yeah, again so. is, why do I have that? Because who wants it? I do. I have well, the albums, have, too. I have the Spider- Let's Get Small. Remember when they did the Spider-Man, the radio drama thing? The rock comic? Yeah. Yeah, I have that. Autographed by John Romita. I have... And Rene Aubergine. I have a copy of it 
that my brother, my older brother Mike, yeah. worked at WHAM in Rochester. Yeah, a radio station. And they had that album. Well, so I got the cutout for the the you know for promotional use. It would only. always have that little cut in it. Yeah. But it also had the tag, and it's like for promotional oh, use. Wow. So it was like given to the radio station. Nice. So he sent it to me when they were done. Do you know what's so funny? I actually remember songs from that album. I remember nothing of it. I just you remember don't? I love the I love the John Romita. Oh, the beautiful the, cover that white well, album a, with the spider web. Comic, like, yeah, comic with Doctor Strange spread, and yeah, the yeah. Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that. I got him to sign it. He was so happy to see that. He opened it up when I was at his house. He goes, I remember this. And he opened it up. He's telling me the whole story. He goes, there's the fat man. I go, I'm right here, John. He goes, no, I'm talking about the kingpin. He goes, oh, he... And you said, I'm right here, John. I know, yeah. He loves the kingpin because I think that was his creation, wasn't it? He drew the drug. He would just go on about the kingpin. And uh, The kingpin's one of the the best additions that didn't exist in the Steve Ditko era. Ditko created most of them. Yeah. But that one was was definitely John, and even the romance with Mary Kingpin Jane. and his wife. You oh, know, there was Vanessa. a bond and yeah, all that. Yeah. That's like Italian family. Oh stuff. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so you know that that wasn't coming from Stanley. No, 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 no. But Stan, it was it was a good story. Even yeah. The kid, I had yeah. this GI Joe when they yeah. were twelve inch figures. Yeah, yeah. I had the GI Joe Desert Jeep. Yeah. And this thing was like, I want to say twenty inches long. It was really a nice toy. It was the best. Yeah. And most expensive toy I ever got as a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know what the oh, it's probably know, four or five hundred dollars birthday or yeah. whatever. I saved the box, yeah. or should I say, my mom did, but she had it in a shed. Oh, so and got part of it water, got a yeah, rotted and yeah. stuff. Um, but the difference between the toy and the where the original packaging is still oh, big time. Yeah, I mean, I had I, all those Captain Actions. I never saved the packaging. I just sold to Steve Barker because he's a big Star Trek fan, and I was cleaning my garage. I bought remember Star Trek: Next Generation, yeah. the show. They had the phaser, they had the communic the yeah, little yeah, yeah. emblem thing, and they had the little space shuttle. What'd you get for it? I, not much, because I was like, I looked on eBay because he collects all that Star Trek stuff, and I said, "Look, I got this in my garage in a, in a Rubbermaid bin. Right? Do you want this stuff?" He's like, "Yeah." So I got like twenty five bucks for the phaser, forty bucks for the thing. Not much, but I was like, you know what? He likes it. He, he showed me a picture. He already put it up in his room, right. like a museum. I got rid of it. I got like 60, 70 bucks for it. I'm like, what am I going to do right. with this stuff, you know? But then I started thinking about it. I go, a lot of the stuff that I have is just like that. Like, yeah. we, we did a show about MASH. Right. I didn't realize they made all these MASH figures. figures. Yeah, they yeah. made Jeeps. They made this but and that. they didn't do it until like... Until 83, when it was about to go off yeah, the yeah. air. But, aftermarket... And you could probably blame Star, Star Wars... Licensing for making that stuff even interesting. Oh, to really? Licensors, yeah, because that didn't exist before. No, really. but I'm saying I remember when they did those mash things. There was a store called Alexander's. Oh, I remember that. They were in it was New in York. Milford. Well, they were their big anchor yeah. store was in oh uh, Jersey. No, no, New York City. Alexander's? Alexander's had a whole building. Oh, they did? It was like it turned it into, at one point, it was a multi-floor thing. They turned it into more like a, a mall? shopping center mall. I remember that. And that was Alexander's? Alan, or was it Jim Hanley's universe? Yeah, it was right around the corner from it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, they yeah. were up they I were do remember the that. Lower floor. They had one of those bridges that went across the road. Yeah. I remember that. That was Alexander's? Yeah. Well, back in the 80s. It was a great department store. It was a big department yeah, store. And in a Milford... They had a whole table, like in the middle of the aisle, like you'd come down the escalator, and they would like be getting rid of stuff. Yeah. And I remember all the MASH figures were there for like a dollar, because yeah. the show had ended, this is 83, yeah. 84, 
nobody wanted it. And it was like Clinger and Hawkeye and Honeycutt and Winchester. I just looked in the aftermarket when we started talking about the show. Right. The Clinger one's $150 because he's in a dress. Right. It's like, what, who would have thought that these things would cost a buck? Yeah. Turn out to be valuable. But then again, who would buy that? Who would buy that? That's what I'm thinking. Probably older people. That like MASH. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't a kid. I though. had a Hawkeye show. Yeah. It was not a kid show. Well, they did Monsters figures too. Monsters around there too. In the 80s? Yeah. Why would they do it so late? Why would they do it in the 60s? Because the stuff was popular, perennially popular. Yeah. You know what I remember being popular when I was a kid? The Aurora models. Yeah, they were. Remember that? The Frankenstein? They had all the They had all they the superheroes. They were in the 60s. Oh, were they? But mostly, you buy, I, I used to buy car models. Yeah, I used and to buy And I would assemble cars. Yeah, AMTs. I used and to buy. I used to like the Pontiac because they had that split the split, split grille in the front. Yeah. <clears throat> it was like the, the actual car color tone. Like, whatever, you had a red car. Yeah. It came down the middle and separated the front grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like a split. Two-tone car, yeah. It was cool. And and uh, I did actually wind up, I think, my second car. Was you bought Pontiac one like Ventura that? No shit. That had that split front. Yeah, yeah. I remember putting together a Corvette 1972 Stingray. It was an orange model. But I just remember it was so cool looking, you know? Yeah. You, but the worst thing is when you'd have that airplane loop and you get on your fingers and you leave the fin- you leave the fingerprints. Especially on the windshield. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Trying to make it clear. Yeah. And then you had to boil the stickers. Remember that? Yeah. You'd cut them up and you put them in hot water and then they'd yeah, separate. And then, but the thing yeah. is, as soon as they would touch, they'd, they'd could, literally yeah, you'd get right. that wrinkle in you it. You could rip them. In oh, it was horrible doing but that I, stuff. But the thing is funny is when I was a kid, again, my brother Joel, who was the, yeah. he always had lighters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He used to steal lighters from my uncle. Ball. Yeah. So we discovered, he discovered, that if you burn the model, yeah, with the you put a little light, lighter fluid on yeah, it, yeah. and then set it on fire and put it out really quick, it looked like it was in a car crash. Oh, yeah, great. So you could yeah. get the front of it like looking like it had yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, folded yeah, up. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. well, so we had a lot of models like that that were painful. It's like, no, don't do that. That's my favorite. The best model and I ever had. The Universal, the Universal Monsters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then in 71, or two, they, they did the Marvel and DC ones. Yes, they did. I had a those. new version of them. There yeah. was, originally, they did Batman and Superman. In right, the 60s. but then they did the Hulk, Captain America, like, Spider Man. Speaking of boxes, those came in a box that was a perfect size. They were For comic, comic size, books. Yeah, and they came with a comic. They did come with a comic. Yeah. Neil Adams did the Tarzan one. Yep, yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. They were all really cool. Um, but yeah, so that I still have the boxes because I used the boxes to, to put, put the comics in. Yeah. I don't have the models anymore. No, I found I had an alien box. Remember yeah. the movie Alien? Yeah. I used to put all my trading cards in it. Right. I don't. I I put the model together years ago. Yeah. But they were perfect because they would fit all my all my bubblegum cards. I which I had Chris. Superman the movie trading cards. I didn't realize oh, it. I, have I found all the stickers. I have some of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I had the Hulk from yeah. the Lou Ferrigno show. Charlie's Angels. So they did a nice Batman 66. Oh, way back in the day. Yeah, and they reissued them at some point in the... I want to say it was in the late 80s when they they, uh, reissued it because they also reissued the Mars Attacks ones from that... I remember the Mars Attacks thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you were a kid... I mean, I had a grade school, you know, grade 1 to 7. Yeah, that's what I did. 1 to 8. 1 to 8. The store right next to it was a, a, a Greek... Uh, family, and it was Tapitz's, Tapitz's grocery store. Yeah, little small place. They had a candy counter. Yeah, and we would go in at lunchtime and spend our lunch money that we didn't eat lunch. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Right. You could buy like a ham sandwich, 
and a Coke yeah, for, a for 20 cents. For 20 cents? Well, because lunch, school lunch was like 25. So if you did that, you had 5 cents to either buy candy or you could buy a card pack. Yeah, yeah. Like the wacky, wacky packs. Packages. Wacky packs, yeah. Remember the wacky? I had stuff? all that stuff. And then uh, they my had dad the, hated it because you know what I would do with the wacky packs? I'd put them on my bedpost. Like my headboard, and I would just stick them on the headboards. Well, you had mentioned the little mini comics. The, yeah, the Marvel mini books. Yeah. And then there was one thing that nobody remembers ever. What? The because little Because it was the 70s. But I grew up in the, the age of the the, the astronauts and yeah, yeah, NASA, 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 yeah, yeah. the 60s. They had these things that were, they started selling freeze-dried Oh, astronaut ice cream? But it was like freeze-dry. Everything was freeze-dried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It take like, all the moisture out of it. Yeah. Right. But it really, it, so they had, you could buy a freeze-dried ice cream cone. Yes, they had those. Yeah, remember I remember those? I remember those. They were not popular. No, they were nasty. But it tastes like styrofoam. When they, because they were, right. Because, astronaut ice cream Because they called. weren't popular, right. you could buy them for like two a cents. Yeah. Right. So we ate this like abandoned candy for yeah. like, you know, months because it was cheap. But they put freeze-dried fruit in uh, cereal. Yep. They had banana, banana strawberry. chips, they had strawberries, yeah. they had blueberries freeze-dried, yeah. and they were basically just like styrofoam. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we, it was the age of Tang. You know, we. Oh, thought, I had Tang. I still they came out with thought, Tang oh, again. This is amazing. They this came out with Tang again. The future. That, the drops. You know, the drops yeah, yeah. of water. I started buying it because I saw Tang. My wife goes, "Why are you buying that sweetener stuff?" I go, "It's Tang." Oh, I used to you know I got Tang because they used to have moon buggies. They would shrink wrap to the side of it like little space lunar capsules. Right. So you would buy the drink, which was just like you know powdered Kool Aid, but it would have this little tiny moon buggy that you press, you pull it, it was rip cord, and it would go. Or no, you wound up an elastic band, right, right, and it would go. Right, they had right. like little submarines that would yeah, go yeah. in the water and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. They used to give away cool stuff. They don't do that anymore. Yesterday's paper had the obituary for a guy who I don't remember the name of this guy. Oh, but he was the guy. Was like I was thinking about. NASA and stuff. Yeah. When the Challenger crashed, yeah, or blew up, blew up. This guy was one of a number of engineers who said, "Don't launch." Yeah, because, because the, the temperature is too cold. cold. Yeah, you knew about that. Yeah. And then they tried to cover it up. Yeah. And he was one that broke ranks and he spoke publicly. He oh, said, I remember no, this that. Guy. He died. He died. Oh. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, how is that not a movie? I mean, it's got all the political intrigue. It's got all the drama. It will be, probably, now that you said it. It happened in the 80s. I remember HBO Presents. It just seems like... Challenger. The the guy who stands up against everybody else. The Norma Ray of NASA. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't know why we don't, like, celebrate those people. But I'm saying, I don't know why we don't celebrate people like that more. Yeah. Because they're, if you, you speak up about anything, you're going to be ground down right. unless you get traction. And, but even then, yeah. everybody praised yeah. him, but he was effectively done yeah. in that job. Snitches end up nobody in ditches. Else is gonna, yeah. right, right. Nobody's going to hire him because, oh, he's going to speak out. No, he's done. Oh, all right. All right, let's talk comic book stuff, Jerry. It's a comic book show because we can go on about this. Did you watch Superman and Lois? I did. Isn't that game good? It's I like the third episode. I think got, it's been good. I got, there's a whole Superman supervillain plot going on. Right. You got Lois at home fighting the Morgan Edge. Morgan Edge story, yeah. And then you got the kids in school right. dealing with high school stuff. Yeah, that was so great. So it's working on three levels. Yeah, it's yeah. got comic book action. Yep. It's got Lois doing her stuff, right. investigating, right. and they got the kids. Yeah. I think it's a good show. It is good, and it's 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 like a, how do you humanize 
that character the best way, I mean, is showing him conflicted as a dad. And he's not even in the show much. He's not Superman much. No, but they do their big... Like, yeah, they, they do like a five-minute special yeah. effects sequence, and then the rest of it's... But I thought that was really interesting, drama. him having to deal with the... Well, isn't obvious. that what made Superman interesting when you worked on it? Because it was yeah, the characters. To, but we also, when we were doing it, that wasn't why we focused so much on the Smallville the yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because Smallville's where he was kind of created. Right. You know, and that, again, that's the strength of the movie. Yeah. The first Superman movie is the fact that you see the imprint of that upbringing on In the big city. how he turned yeah. out right. Right. You know, because he's a character who's super powerful. Mm-hmm. But no, I thought I, I like the fact that um, they did the thing with the the, the two kids. It was yep. without giving anything away. The two kids are very different. Yeah, and they're playing it in, a, I think, a surprising way. Right. But it's like when you watch it, you go, "Wow, that makes total sense." Yeah. It's, it's very well thought out. And Lois is great. Lois is great. Yeah. I mean, it definitely won me over with the cast. He still needs a shave, which bugs yeah. me. Yeah. But like I mean, it, he, Kryptonian five o'clock shadow. He's he's good with. He's yeah. actually showing. Good with playing empathy yeah. and playing, you know. He's I mean, actually really good as the nerdy Clark, yeah. like when he just shows up because yeah. he has that Christopher Reeve kind oh, yeah. of nerdiness going yeah. on there. Like, well, he's the nerdy dad. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's and like, oh, like, look, they gave me a hat and a right. jacket. And it was like so funny to watch because I could see myself doing that. But the kid's like, hey, look, I got a little badge. You're like, right. dad, you're such a jerk. Right. You know? Well, yeah. like, I was a little like a blink and you miss it on the TV screen at the end of that episode, third yeah. episode. On a TV is the Witty Banter Show. Oh, I, and what is that? You Witty, mentioned that. Who's that? Well, he, this actually happened right after I left the books. Yeah. Because I think it was maybe, I don't know who brainstormed it, but it was when Carl Kiesel came on. And we had, uh, Glenn Whitmore was the colorist. Yeah. And he colored all the Superman books. And Glenn had kind of like a, like in all the meetings, Glenn had a, a kind of a naivete. Yes. That could sometimes be funny. And so Glenn became, they, they created a character Witty based banter. on Glenn, was Witty Banter. Yeah. And uh, um, it just was funny. So I, when I, I, my, my experience of this was when we went to see the, we went to the Lois and Clark pilot right, filming. Right, right. I was invited back. We got flown to California. It was nice to be part of the group. Yeah, so yeah, I got yeah, to yeah. know Barry Kitson, just with Barry yeah. and, and you know, interact with everybody. Yeah. And the Witty Banner stuff had just kind of come up maybe in that, around that time. Uh-huh. And uh, we had run up. <laughs> this is stupid. During that time, we went to Los Angeles, did the Lois and Clark, and then we all drove uh, to San Diego to right. the con. Yeah. So at the con, Mike Carlin, we were celebrating the fact that Mike had been the editor through this nice era and all that. So we, we had a party for him. Yeah. And in this little party, everybody, we, you know, supplied, it was in somebody's, it was in Mike Carlin's room, which right, was really right, 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 right. But the entire group, plus Jeanette Kahn, yeah, right? Yeah. And Jeanette was always, people think of her, she's the publisher, right? Right. But she was just hanging out with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after a couple of beers, lampshade on the we head. had Glenn interview her as if he were witty banter. Uh-huh. And Brett Breeding had his video camera. Oh, really? And so, it's, it's it's on video somewhere. Somewhere in this world. Yeah. It's hilarious. Is it so, kind of I mean, like the uh, Zach Galifianakis show with the yeah? It would be like two we, ferns, right? Yeah. We we kind of like predated that, but yeah, it's yeah. the awkward awkward the interview. awkward interview with the guy who's like not yeah quite not with understanding. It. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> 
So, anyways, it was it was an Easter egg for the show, and when I tweeted that yeah. and I linked Glenn, um, I got a, there was a message from one of the guys who's uh, one of the writers on the show, and he said. When we were in the in the in the writing room, yeah. and I, I suggested this yeah. as an Easter egg, the other guys were going, "Nobody's going to get this." Except Jerry Ordway, because I saw you post yeah. it, and I looked. I go, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> it was just, it was on a TV. Yeah, in a yeah room. no, no, I didn't even catch it. I was like, "What's Jerry?" T-? I saw your tweet. I go, "What the hell is he talking about?" He's winning. So it was one of our injuries. All right. Well, it'd be like the only other thing. I keep hoping that if the sh- not that it, I I would like to see them use. Gangbuster, yeah, you know because Gangbusters like Delgado. the ignored yeah. character yeah. in the uh, DC universe. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw the uh, Cave Comics. Did you see they had the old Gangbuster up there? Oh, the uh, the original the crime the show. Yeah, yeah the crime. The, it was the a comic. radio show. No, it's, it's split up into two words, but it's based on a Buster. radio show. Yeah, if you go in a cave, yeah. it's on the top. No, I've looked at it. Row like fifth in. It's, I don't we know if it's still there. When we first were coming up with the names, we found evidence of a gangbuster comic and I thought okay so it's safe yeah. for DC to use this oh, okay. because I was confusing with Guardian when he was originally, we originally created him when, yeah. it was when, when he first started on the Adventures of Superman Mike yeah. Macklin was inking it he yeah. only wanted to make it the first issue but Mike and I had talked about what we'd like to try to submit or propose yeah. to uh, the editor to do and one of them was we wanted to do the Kirby stuff which included the Guardian yeah 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 and they said you can't do the Guardian because there's a moratorium because um, Roger Stern is doing oh. the Superman annual and he's he got the Guardian or something. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. we're like, well, we can't use the Guardian, so let's come up with our own character. Yeah. So I said, what about do gang? We'll do and it'll be Gangbuster and he'll be like a teacher and he'll, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, we're trying to create a ground level storyline for Superman that wasn't Metropolis. Right, right. Uh, the only thing I never liked about Gangbuster was the color scheme. The brown, yeah, it just was like. Eh. Well, he's brown and orange. Yeah, I know, but I was like, because, that's such a weird color well, it was combo. Because for a it's superhero. still dark enough, and it was meant to be distinctly different. From oh, it was different. Yeah, because no one. You yeah, know, you think no, it was trying to. It was it's blue. Usually, it was yeah. blue or red. No, and all the villains are purple, purple and green. Yeah. So we wanted them to be different. And okay, I mean, that was the point. I mean, I, I always like because I use the same pretty much this. Color scheme for uh, Gangbuster uh, for the um, who? Now I was thinking like with Wonder uh, Man, the original no, one no, was no, that brown outfit the, uh, um, from the All Star Squadron. The uh, oh Firebrand? No, the Spider. Oh, the Spider. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the Tarantula. Tarantula. Yeah, I use that same thing, and I like. I mean, I like colors like that because they're not expected. Right. Like when we did when we colored we did Jade from Infinity Inc. Yeah, Jade was white and dark green. And right. She had pale green skin, and yeah. I didn't see the point of adding another color in that. Okay. So it's all about like a feel, and I always like those tones. The only thing different, like with Gangbuster, is that his costume had to look like he could have made it himself. Yeah, well, it did, and, and it that was like why it was yeah. those colors, was because okay. those were like kind of standard. He could take most leather things, you know, like if he yeah, used yeah, yeah, shoulder yeah, yeah. pads. They were brown, like right. boxing stuff, right, right, you know, right, boxing right. gloves, whatever. So it kind of dictated it. But it, it also was, those are earth tones. Yeah, no, they are. And it was meant to be, here's Metropolis under, say, New York, you know, DC yeah. Comics was yeah. Fifth Avenue, 50th. 
anything below that, the Bronx was grittier, yeah. or above that was grittier. And that yeah. was what we were trying to show, like all the people who lived in that. Oh, know. all right. Well, that explains it because I remember reading that. Going, who picked brown? What's up yeah. with the colors? Well, I did. <laughs> it was Ordway. I probably even had to fight for it. I was going to say we had to fight to get him in there, though, because Marv wouldn't use him. Yeah. Because Marv was kind of resistant. I guess Marv was used to running his show. Oh, okay. But he was resistant to any of these ideas. So I, I think with Gangbuster, we kind of forced the issue because yeah, yeah. he was doing plots and he had fallen behind on deadlines and stuff. So it's you like, okay, a good chance let's just, get him in there. I have an idea. Yeah. Let's, and the same with Bibbo. Bibbo came yeah. out of that. Yeah. You know, it was like I wanted to do a character like that and I wanted. There's a lot of that stuff that happens kind of because nobody let you do it. Right, 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 so right. So you force your way or you find a back door for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professor Hamilton's a great yep. example. When Byrne came on the book after the first year when Marv uh, was off yeah. and Byrne and I were co-plotting, John said, I'd like to get to come up with a character like the Professor Periwinkle in the yeah, old yeah, Superman yeah. 50s show. And I said... Why well, create a new character? Here's the perfect backstory. Yeah, we yeah. did this story. This guy got thrown in jail. It's the perfect thing for Superman to do is to give this guy, who's an ex-con, to give a him a chance. chance. Yeah. And he shows that he's right. And that's why I always hated that they turned him bad again. Yeah. After I left the books, they turned him evil. Yeah. I hated that. Because I feel like just because somebody was bad once or made a mistake once, yeah. I think it's really lazy storytelling to have them fall back into it unless there's some redeeming quality to it uh, whose idea was it to make Brainiac the uh, the mentalist at the carnival that was burnt yeah I was like I always thought I thought of him as a fat WC Fields well he's based on a there's a character in uh, Monty Python oh is that what it was yeah it was oh. Terry Jones played like some, the amazing Mesmero or something yeah, yeah 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 and so the visual for it that was Carlin adding that in but Mike and Burn were huge Monty Python fans. Yeah. I was too, but not as yeah. As a bad but level. I was like, of all character Brainiac, like maybe if we keep another was, character. Well, no, it was the the cool thing there again was thinking of the transformation. Yeah. So that was always kind of planned. Yeah. That this was the ground floor. This is the origin. Here's where it started. Yeah. And he was working the sideshow, and then he winds up becoming bonded to the yeah. Brainiac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the the intelligent the artificial intelligence oh you know what's funny I've been really with audible.com I downloaded this thing called like I think it's called Marvel Super Villains or whatever just something to listen to and it's a collection of short stories uh-huh. about all the different Marvel Super Villains like here's the Super Scroll, right. here's a Mephisto right. here's the, uh, the Circus of Crime like all these peripheral villains yeah, yeah. that have been there forever but they're like their own little separate stories like here's a story about Loki and they're well done Hey, Pete. He's on it. He becomes he's a trapster. No, he's on this thing. So the thing of it is, they had one about the Circus of Crime. You know the Ringmaster and yeah. the Princess Python? Oh, right. Like throwaway characters you never think about. But they did this great backstory where he talked about how his family was this Austrian circus, like traveled throughout yeah. Europe, yeah. and they lost all their money after World War II because everyone started watching TV right. and movies, and nobody went to the circus anymore. And his father had discovered his plans because he worked for the Nazis right. and it was this device that Hitler came up with to, to, oh, that's funny. to take over people's minds. So was minds. that in the comics? Is no, this, is all, this was a Tony Isabella original short story oh. adapted for this audible drama and it talks about how they come to America and they start the circus of crime yeah. but they realized they couldn't do Manhattan because that's where all the superheroes were so they would do the circuit around right. like 
Peoria, you know, right, all the right. back skirts, so no one's going to notice the circus. Right, right. And they would steal, you know, they'd hypnotize, yeah. write me a check right, for right. this. So that was the circus of crime. It was a good idea. It was a good idea. And then the very last night, they're out in the middle of Idaho, like Boise. And they're, you know, typical, they had the, 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 the juggler, there was a strong man. Right. But this limousines pull up for the big night. They're going to do their opening night in the show. And they're like, oh, this is so great. We're going to make money. Look at all these rich people. And he's going to use the hat right. to hypnotize them right. to give me your jewelry and all that right. stuff. And the door opens, and it's all these little kids in wheelchairs and stuff. And he's like, what's going on here? And they go, oh, we're so glad that you did this because our charity raised so much money for the, like, the Make-A-Wish Fund. And he's like, what? And then they wheel the kids up to him. And then he realizes that this, this big charity benefit was not for the rich people. Oh. It was to help all these kids that were, you know, leukemia and cancer. Right, right. So they bring a little boy up to the ringmaster. And he, and the little kid's, you know, dying. He barely can wave to him. And then the ringmaster looks over at all his people. And it's a great story because he goes, he's, for this night only, they're actually going to be a real circus. Because right. this might be the only circus these kids will right. ever see because right. they're dying. And then he tells his crew, they go, what are you talking about? Look at all the money that we got here. All these rich people are donating right. money. We could be, you know, making right. a good payday. And he uses his hat on them. Right. He says, you're going to do your best oh, performance so he, yeah. tonight. Yeah. And you're going to give these kids the greatest show on earth. And it was such a cool story yeah. Yeah. because it's something you would never think of in a regular so comic book. So title? I, I gotta look. I but think it's, it's like called a, Marvel Super Villains, but it's all. So it's an audible book it's or audible, presentation, like a radio type it's show. It's like a radio show thing, okay. but it's like 15 different stories from all these famous Marvel side characters. And that was like one of the coolest stories yeah. because he goes no, at the nice very end. Because the woman goes, Oh, this is the uh, McCormick uh, Traveling Circus. He goes, right. No, you've mistaken. This is the, uh, the Maynard right. uh, Von something. She goes, What are you right. talking about? He goes, because he goes, we're going to return to my father's roots. And it's his whole story right, about right. how his father was the That's greatest cool. showman in all of Europe. Yeah. And for one night only, they had the jugglers and the circus and the, the trapeze yeah, art yeah. and the horse people and all that. I was like, you know what? Would you use that in a comic book? Yeah. Or it works better as a short story? Well, no, it's nice, in a, but you could do it in a comic. I mean, I think about Roger Stern when he did the, uh, was it the, the Boy Who Loves Spider-Man? That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, you, you could have done this as a Daredevil story. Yeah. Like, Daredevil shows up to beat him up, right. and then he sees that they turned good for one right. night, and Daredevil looks the other way right. because he the realizes... The is trying to figure it how, how you would present it. It would have to be, like, maybe an a annual one character. Yeah. Like, you know, where you do have some main character who shows up and then stops from... Oh, yeah, these yeah, guys yeah, are yeah. actually doing good. Yeah, but that's the whole... The whole book is yeah. all... Like, a, like, Loki's got a story. It's like, they're not doing the traditional bad guy stuff. Right. It's like, oh, well... That's actually not that good. But I mean, think, if you think about it, the, one of the things any writer would know is that if you do a good villain, a good villain has multiple layers. Yeah. You don't have to know the whole backstory, but the idea is the better the motivation for something is, even in a movie, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You the better motivation yeah. that comes, it's not just like, oh, I want to take over the world. Well, why do you want to take over the it's, world? Well, or that's whatever. the whole thing. You start to find out all the reasons because it starts off. Yeah. With an introduction by your friend Stan Lee, right. and he says, "Hey, you know us. We make the greatest superhero stories in the world, but we can't have great superhero stories if we don't have great supervillains. Right. So this whole book is about the supervillains, and you're listening to each one of them, and none of them are like, "I'm going to go kill that guy because right. I like killing it." It's like, right. oh, that's just the motivations behind it. I mean, so we, I recommend that. I'll, I'll find the title and put it up there. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. Book. I mean, when I, when I, whenever I would write a story, yeah. 
I would kill myself because I'd sit there and go, okay, like in the old days, Batman would go on patrol and there was some crime going on that yeah. he could interrupt or whatever. Bank robbery. But ultimately, any superhero yeah. either has to go on patrol or they sit back and wait till they're attacked. <laughs> wait till something happens, yeah. And so, I mean, I used to think of this in the 80s and I'd say, well, there's a lot of concepts that just... I have a hard time. I'm not saying they don't work, right. but I have a hard time wrapping my brain around because it needs to feel right to me. Right. Organic, so when I would, yeah. yeah, there's like an element of something that has to work. So, how many times can you have the conceit, the you know, the uh, conceit of a guy being either attacked because yeah. oh, I found out you're Superman, right, or right. I mean, it, it that's a challenge almost more than anything else when I was writing Superman yeah. was. How does he get involved in the story? How does the story spin around him? Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, the, the the trope is that these guys go out and patrol and they find somebody. Yeah. But if you think about the real world, that's not how it horrible happens. stuff yeah. that's happening yeah. all the time that yeah. we don't know about. Right. Is that what leads to Superman? It's being not the, just one day. But is that like, what leads yeah. to Superman? I mean, I, I always wanted to avoid him being Santa Claus, right. where he sits there and it's like, oh, I'm listening to everybody in Let the world. Let me check the naughty list. Yeah. That always bothered me because that does feel a little more invasive, but it also it feels too powerful. Yeah. You know what I mean? That feels yeah. like so big that a, an average reader wouldn't necessarily be with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was always the, the the trick was to try to come up with something that didn't feel. So it's harder to write a villain story because well, it's, it's like trying it's to come not, up with a. It's harder to write. How does it involve the hero? Yeah, I mean, you could a villain story is again. It's not that it's, anything's easy, but it's if you're writing something as a standalone yeah. or as an element of how does that interact and how does that character come into it? That's the big part. Yeah. Do math problems. I actually in my book. Oh my Always God. keep. Are we you used to get the paper. Mitch I was going to say, she, she, she's writing a journal. <laughs> in my waitress journal. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, do you? There was also a, a mini crossroader. Oh, look at that. I started out, playing chess.com the last year. I just I do chess. Oh, no. I just started doing that all day long. Yeah. And I, 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 I was sucking, and now I'm getting up to like level 500, and Sharon's making fun of me. The other day, because it shows you what country you're from, and uh, the guy was you're playing me from Russia. And he's like, you're going to lose because it sent me a thing. And there was 39 seconds I left. Ivan Drago. No, 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 no. And I was in, I was in a corner. And I was like, because I do the three-minute timer. That's how I do it. So you, you both move. Whoever runs out of time, three minutes, loses. Or you do a checkmate. Usually the clock will run down most right. of the time. And you go, oh, you know, I won. But this guy goes, you're about to lose. There was 40 seconds left. I go, Fuck you, Russian son of a bitch. So also next thing you know, two bishops, checkmate, boom. And I wrote back, suck it, comrade. And he was like, rematch. I go, I don't re- I don't play losers. And I was like, oh oh. and Sharon goes, you're fighting with what, a six-year-old in Russia right, right, right now? Right, and I got Benjamin getting all tough. And his little kid, mama, mama, is me an American? Look what he told me, suck it. That's why we must kill them all. What does this mean, suck it, mama? No, no. <laughs> Uh, what's his name? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> it right yeah, it's up. Look, you told me to suck it. Somewhere in the Putin home, it's like Mitch Halleck must die. <laughs> that's how it starts. Bring me the Novachuk. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this Mitch Halleck? Sounds Ukrainian. Yeah, we let him live for a while before he dies. Which, 
You know what the best line <laughs> I heard? Coast is the best. I was listening to some radio show. They said Frank Sinatra saved my life last night, and the guy's like, "Really? Has he?" He said, "He told the guys, okay, guys, he's had enough." <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. It like, sounds like a comedian joke. It was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sounds like, like a rubber wolf. Hey, so uh, there it was. Um, I was with Jerry Ordway, and uh, we were talking about Batman, and I, I told him how I almost died. And uh, yeah, Frank Sinatra saved my life. He said, "Leave him alone, fellas. He's had enough." <laughs> So that'll make it in. I'm leaving that in, yeah. Because I hope when they do the Batman 89 comic that they give Alexander Knox a whole issue. Alex, Alexander I Knox. I that they're not, they're not allowed to do dead-on uh, likenesses. Whatever. It's supposed to imply the yeah. actor rather than... Okay. So. When they I go to Georgia, when they go to draw um, Commissioner Gordon, will have to <laughs> show that missing index finger that Pat Hingle had. I only noticed it when he was like in Batman Three. Oh yeah. When uh, Val Kilmer comes flying as overhead. The movies got worse. No, as <laughs> his finger body parts started <laughs> right, to disappear. But no, you know what? Uh, no, when Val Kilmer comes back and he flies through the sky and he's like, "Go, go!" and he's waving his hand. I go, "Mr. Gordon's missing a finger. What happened there? It must be the work of Two Face." Well, the the um, Pat Hingle. I find that interesting with the comic though because. I was reading well, about now it's it. coming out as a hardcover. Well, it's cover. A digital, though. It's yeah, but now is, they've already announced they're going to collect the hardcover and at they the announced the dates. Yeah, which is what yeah, I'm going to read that. Yeah. But what I was interested in was how, and again, it's nothing. To, I'm not saying anything negative about it's a it joke. because I think people, you know, this guy's a good artist. Yeah, they he's like good. To yeah. Sketch, whatever. It's not like it's. You know, no one's taken work away no. from me. The company hasn't been offering me regular work for ten years. But. I will say, when everyone thinks of the Batman 89 comic, they think of your work. That's yeah, just the way I mean, it is. What I'm, I'm saying, sorry. so, so, anyways, what I was reading, when I was reading about it, and yes. they said this has been in the works for over a year, it made me think about my conversations with the reprint For the reprint editor, people, yeah. Because they were shaken in their boots. Well, they saw the response. No. They were worried because the deal that I signed... The, the license the likeness agreement thing in 89 exists from 1989 yeah their concern was if they reprinted the extras oh. my covers my sketches for the the audition for the, yeah, for the, the likenesses yeah, or any of the extra was material part of that deal that it would somehow invalidate that specific deal so he's the week being in it works for a year I just remember when the you, book actually came out... You couldn't do the extras the because of the likenesses. Me, right, the editor told me, well, we couldn't use those because wasn't legal the was worried agreement. that yeah. somehow it wasn't covered under the agreement for the book. So they just printed the book. Yes, that wasn't a film adaptation. But Back Issue did like a whole issue yeah. almost of yeah. it. And it has all... It's like Back Issue, that issue of, of about Batman 89... I have that one, yeah. ...is almost like your supplemental DVDs. Right, you know, right your, your extras, DVD. your director's cut. So, it made me think, though, by being pushy about getting DC to reprint this for the 30th anniversary at the time. Yes. That I was um, inadvertently set the ball over the door for this. Yeah. Because they saw that the tr- there was a tremendous yes. uh, outpouring of like on support Twitter. on yeah. Twitter, on Facebook, whatever. People really were like going, this is great. We're hoping yeah, that, you yeah, know, yeah. we want to see it. So, the book must have sold pretty well. Yeah. 
Although it went it's out, out of, of print, though. Yeah, and I, I don't like that. Although well, we could find it across the street right now. No, we it's could, officially yeah. Amazon. When it's not available for Amazon, you know it's out of print. Yeah. So it was kind of disappointing because that's the type of book that I think could... Well, it had legs. Why wouldn't it have yeah. longer than just that little window? They keep reissuing the, the DVD and the Blu-ray yeah. of the movie. No, and I, I think it's maybe that, maybe that changes now because they're printing books in the U.S. again. Oh, really? No, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the China Donnelly's stuff, doing it again? Well, they've had issues with... China printing. I mean, did we talk about this? Bootlegging? Wow. Okay. Bootlegging? I've had this, well, I've had this theory for a long time, and apparently I've heard from a couple of people that maybe it's true. So, it, I mean, it, it makes total sense, but when they were... They were using a print broker. <clears throat> they were yeah. getting the cheapest prices in China. Yeah. So they were doing the omnibus. Well, people initially. don't understand if it, what a print broker does is if you have a, a job that needs to be printed, they will outsource to find the lowest bidder, and then they would give them the work. Right. And that's what a print broker does. Right. So they were outsourcing so they were finding, the work right, they were to finding, China to. They're finding printers in China. Inexpensive print printer. Yes. And when there was a lot of import export. Yeah. They could throw these books onto a, a ship. Right. So there was a longer lead time. Yes. Maybe eight months. Yeah. To do an omnibus or whatever because they're heavy books. Yeah, they are. And the, it's all about the, the binding too is a big deal. So, I think what I'd heard, and I'm, I'm gonna preface this with this is hearsay okay because I, I don't know the numbers but somebody had told me that a comic book company had found out that their books were being printed or were widely available in China and they yeah. were like we don't have any Chinese licenses oh so the implication being that if they're printing a book yeah, yeah. the files are at the printer they can do whatever they want with them they can print very, I used to say this too no. is like if you had a book that you're printing anywhere. Yeah. You're doing 2,000 copies. Right. You don't know how much more they're going to make. Yes. Why wouldn't they just run off 1,000 copies and put them on the they on could. the sub, you know the secondary market? Yeah. No, I agree it with you. I know how printing works. You're, that's what happened with it. records. Yeah. For, that's how the mob was involved in, in you know the music industry is that they would do that. They would yeah. you know, press... 20,000 copies Legit and copies put them out. And then, in, yeah, and then sell the others. Because they were... Yeah. But they would... It's no not that hard. Right. Yeah. Once you have the source, right. and you're the guy who's printing it. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's an issue. Now, the last couple of things I've seen, they're printed in the U.S. Yeah. They used to all be printed in Canada. Yeah, Now some of the books are being printed in the U.S., which I think is good. Because and it I'm gives not, jobs back to the country. I'm just saying, it's not like I'm against the multi national kind of no. thing but but you lose control there's a ton of printing companies there's a ton of companies here oh, I know. just the same way there's a bunch of farmers here who can I know. farm I know. you know they can grow dude i did printing for peppers. i did printing for 30 years i know yeah. i've been to every big but i'm plant saying like i always found that the, the disconnect for me was always that wait you're shipping this thousands of miles yeah and that's going to be on a ship and a boat. Cheaper. Yeah. Even shipping something a thousand miles, it's yeah. still cheaper than printing it locally and having a lot. It's you know, not. No, ultimately, yeah, movie there's, companies there's a whole know world this. behind it. And yeah, this is yeah. another thing: is I was reading a book recently, listening to a book that came out years ago by Google, the beginnings of Google. And one of the things that jumped out in the book was the statistic that something like ninety percent of uh, American product in China is 
black market. Yeah. So in other words, why wouldn't comics be part of that? Well, toys you know, are toys, toys, right, all that stuff. You're giving them the keys to do. Okay, here's the molds. This Go make always, your own. Right. So, anyways, yeah. it's nice to see some of these books be printed. But hopefully, my hope is that by doing that, yeah. they have better accessibility to do second printings. We're gonna go to Wuhan and blow this lid off of the Batman reprint <laughs> controversy. It's a, and it's not a, a us against them. It's just it's this is common no, sense. I, 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 we, not, you and I, I know agree with you. I know how things work. That yeah. there used to be printers, maybe four or five printers, even in a small town like Fairfield, Trumbull that are not around yeah. anymore. Maybe there's one. one yeah. You know, and you use we use a this like a, print. Well, I was going to say, Vista Prince is a print broker. Yeah, and that's all they do. They call up. And I but told you, sometimes... It, they're doing I it against, by based on, on location, too. Yeah, though, and so, volume, too, because so they just call game printing. Yeah. yeah, but the shorter sh- ship time or whatever Yeah, no, I told you them. I would never pay extra for shipping because right. I would order the postcards for the show. They'd be right. here in three days. So they're like they're, they're like uh, 1-800-Flowers or yeah, whatever. Yeah, they find whoever's they're near basically, you. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the, the broker, and they'll find somebody 10 miles or 20 miles away or something. Anyway. So it's good that those things exist. Back to Batman 89. But I'm hoping that the company, like DC or whatever, invests more in back stock. Because they've let so much of that stuff go because of warehouse space. Yes. All right. Let's wrap some stuff up real quick. You watch WandaVision? I did. You finished it off? I loved it. Wasn't it great? Yeah. Wasn't it really great? I was really thrilled to see the Monica Rambeau. Right. That, I love it that character. It was like a hero introduced herself. It was a great way they did it. I mean, I, I just love that character, too. Yeah. And I really like the actress playing her. But did you see, and I did my review of it, because some people are like, oh, this, this, and that. I said, there is a subtle story going on the whole time about Scott, Wanda yeah. dealing with all the people who died in her life yeah. and not letting go of that stuff, and then finally at the end coming to the realization that... It's time to move on yeah. because the vision died, her brother died, her parents right, died. Right. Everybody died to this girl. And then that was the whole show. She yeah. was living her own fantasy world right. where she can control she it. She holds on to everything. Yeah. And then at the end, she had to let it all go. Yeah. I was like, that was a really well done story. Yeah. And I said, plus, if you wanted to go for your superhero stuff, you had your, your whiz bang costumes, explosions, right, right. and special effects. Right. So you had that. But you also had a nice, subtle story. And there was a really nice vision. Yeah. Especially vision versus vision. And he explains to him that, well, if you're the vision, it was really you've already defeated it. So how could you be the same thing? No, it was really well done. But where did he fly yeah. off to? But that's why it's a story. you got to tune in next time. Universe. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, you know, they could do the West Coast Avengers. Think about it. Because yeah. they're bringing in U.S. Agent next week on right. uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Right. you got the White Vision. you got Hawkeye out there. You could throw in some. Was an Ant Man in there too? You could throw in Photon. You could throw in some weird little sub guys there. But I never thought it was going to be Mephisto. I'm like, oh, I said it's not going to be Mephisto. They don't need to have a devil character. That guy was a jerk enough. Hayward that was yeah, yeah, the sword guy. I mean, I think the problem that was one of those cases where fan speculation got out of control. Yeah, I think a lot of people read the speculation and accepted it as truth. Like, oh, this is coming from yeah, somebody Yeah, but I'm like, knows. that's not happening. No, yeah. it's the same thing like when, when, when we saw the Star Wars. Star pictures. Wars, yeah. and we were talking about the Clone Wars in our minds. Yeah, you make, I've said Wars it before. Were much yeah. better than yeah. what they could ever do because we had three, four years to think about it between movies yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and You, know, you it, make it's a movie gonna, in your head that they'll never compete with because yeah. you already, you know, they can't so be everyone's ideas. And I, I think I told you, maybe even last time, 
maybe not. I, when Rachel and when Tommy was visiting, yeah. my son, we he hadn't seen Birds of Prey, so it was yeah. my fourth time watching yeah. it. And I really like the movie it's a lot. better? Because I, I remember do. the first time I and saw the it, was like, is, I was thinking about, the problem is, you, and you go into the movie with too much of a preconceived notion of what it's going to be, yeah. and then you're ultimately disappointed because, oh, they didn't show Batman, or they didn't do this or that. I wasn't expecting that. But I mean, that's the stuff that to me always winds up ruining my initial viewing of a lot of movies, is that I expect more. Right. But it's kind of like, again, it's like fan theories on yeah, one yeah, division. Yeah, yeah. You let your speculation get over, get past the point that you're not the guy doing the show. So if it doesn't come near to what you said it was going to be, it sucks. Or if it doesn't have the idea that you thought, then yeah. you're really disappointed, and therefore you can't enjoy the whole thing. No, I thought they did so a re- good job bringing in all second the Second viewings of a lot stuff. of stuff yeah. does help with that for me. Yeah. Like, the first time I saw The Big Lebowski, right. everybody was like, oh, this is a great movie, and I'm like, I didn't think I it was a great movie. It, but then... The, Second time I saw it, I saw stuff that I didn't see. Okay. Third time, and it's basically you're finding by doing that you're 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 losing whatever somebody else's preconceived or your preconceived notion was, yeah. and you're seeing the subtext. Yeah, because that's what happens with any movie when you see well, it. A yeah, multiple if you time, watch enough things, you can see, you all see the the, the story that maybe was behind the scenes, like yeah. with WandaVision. Yeah, people have been even equating that with the year of. Lockdown and pandemic. Well, they're being more, isolated. This was already started. But I'm saying, that. like, you can read into it, and that's what happens with any good story oh, is that you can read the yourself best was, into it. I had that kid Rob tell me that Wonder Woman '84 was all about being in pandemic and wearing your mask. I go, what? I go, dude, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but that thing was wrapped yeah. a year before this thing even started. Yeah. It was set to go in 2019. Yeah. It had nothing to do with the pandemic. But here's what's so. funny. This is not the thought. People put their own stuff into that. That's what I'm saying. You can you can then project it for yourself. Yeah, right. That's not what I thought it was going to be. It's like, it when, never was. when I was driving down here, I was thinking to myself that if you, it's weird how stuff kind of almost predicts things, but then yeah. you forget the fact that stuff is in the air. Case in point, 2016. Yes. Right around now. Yeah. Batman versus Superman came out. Correct. Okay, Batman versus Superman. It was two forces that everybody conceived of as, oh, they should be friendly. They were at odds. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. And then, like a month and a half later, you had Captain America Civil War. Yeah. And it's weird that those things both predated the Trump presidency. Oh, you're stretching it. No, no, I'm, I'm serious. But it's like, if you look at it just by itself... Without the context of the time, you'd go, wow, it really predict. It was predictive. But that's why whenever you're looking at anything a couple of years ago, it's you need to look at what else was happening at the time. Right? I mean, when yeah. you're talking... But when I see Batman or Superman, I think back to Frank Miller's Dark Knight. But I'm saying... Because like, that's what started the fighting. They were talking about Civil War stuff and the, the idea of people being... Kind of dug in. Yeah, but that was positions. the Mark Millar story from 2008. No, no, but I'm saying that's been around six. for a while. So taken out of context, you can go, oh, here's what they were predicting with you know yeah. people being Republican versus Democrat type yeah. of thing. But that's why context is important, and that's why what they call the zeitgeist. Yeah. Basically, what's in the air at the yeah. time. Yeah. You can't look at a historical thing without saying, here's what was around. Oh, I know. That's why like, they go, well, Star Wars was successful. Why? Well, the world was coming off of anti-Vietnam sentiment, right. and now they got heroes back, and it was all about this allegory right. towards 
you know, the evil empire and the you know the rebels and you know, well, yeah, you look at, I mean, you can look Vietnam at Vietnam War. I'm like, okay, well, you can look at it. E- an easier way to look at it is is Nixon resigned. Well, that's what Lucas said. The emperor was supposed to be Nixon, but who got control and suddenly took all his power. As somebody who grew up through that phase, you could see all it that. It was a change. No, what I saw mostly was the '60s and '70s. Movies no longer had to have a happy ending. As a kid wears a Star Wars shirt walking <laughs> in here right now. But I'm saying, like, movies didn't have to have it. It was it, it film. Film had gotten dark. Yeah. Movies could end on a bad note. Yeah. Um, they could be very bleak. Yeah. And Star Wars, along with Rocky, yeah, were the two that kind of and brought Jaws. back. But I mean, those brought back the the kind of heroic. Yeah, that kind of 19. 30s, yeah. 40s, overcoming kinda, the odds, underdogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they were they were they were kind of important in that they 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 changed the tide. Yeah, because we when you think about films like Chinatown, stuff I love. Right, Chinatown, Cuckoo's Nest, Cuckoo's Nest. Those are all dark. very dark. Oh hell yeah, um, French Connection. Yep, you know it doesn't even. No, the end guy gets really. away, and it's like whoa. So this that, that's a that's where you have to look at context. I was just thinking about how no 1930s. Science fiction or later comics yeah. could exist without someone like Nikola Tesla. Right. Nikola Tesla was the guy who is certainly. He did all your But he's the he's like the yeah. imprint. He's the the, the, the mad the, scientist. Guy. He's the mad scientist. Even though he wasn't a mad no, scientist. No, I know, but you he's think like of that the template. Big mustache and crazy. Like, he's the template. It's alive. You know, he he uh, he was ahead of his time and death ways. Right, he had, had patented a death ray. Correct. Yeah, uh, he was at the forefront of, of radio transmission. Yeah. Yeah, 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 things like that. So it's it's without that context, like bad guys in old comics or serials yeah. or, or the ultra humanite doesn't exist. They they don't come out of nowhere. No, I you know Kirby read all that science fiction stuff. It's all a reflection of the world you live in. So I wonder you, what the stories are going to be like. I keep thinking we're going to we're due for a, a lot of. Virus alien stories coming out again, like things from another world. Maybe it's going to be a a light, a body snatchers type, like a lighthearted thing coming out of this. Oh well, I wrote and drew a bunch of lighthearted comic strips about lockdown, but I never I put one up, and then I got some backlash. I never put the rest up because people like it's not funny that people are dying. Well, neither was the Korean War, but they made Mash. Neither was. World War II but they made Hogan's Heroes you have soon. to laugh but you, that's maybe yeah, you're yeah, too yeah. soon because you're doing it within the yeah you're within the time frame but yeah. it, it, you would never do a joke about 9-11 because yeah. it's not funny but somewhere in this history that yet to be right. the future they might make a joke about yeah. the, I actually told you I wrote a story about that because I remember when the Twin Towers fell what if you were this schleppy guy who partied too much the night before watching football, hated his job, hated his wife, hated his life, right. went to work on the subway, like Joe Schlepp, like right. Willie Loman, right. and as he's walking up the stairs from the subway, he looks down the street, he's late for work, he's thinking in his head, right. oh, I'm going to get shit for it, right. and then he looks, and there's the building coming down that, that he works at. I know, it did happen. It d- like disappeared and, sick and, and never showed like, up again. Right. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, wouldn't that be the story that this guy suddenly turns his life around, moves away, because everyone thinks he's dead, right. so he doesn't have to worry about his obligations anymore, and then goes off to the islands and goes and lives and becomes like, you know, like the king of some 
yeah. Tahiti or something, you know what I mean? But you can't write that story because people are like, well, that's not funny because my uncle died in the towers. I'm like, I'm not saying it's, right. it, it's anything is funny about somebody dying horribly. But you could write a good story yeah. Yeah. about somebody whose life switched around yeah. that day. And amongst all that, that turmoil, yeah, you need a little time, I think. Is the, yeah, but it's been twenty years. No, this I year. agree. Well, like when you remember what the hey, look, Hogan's show, Heroes came out twenty years after yeah. World War Two. Oh yeah, but I mean, do you remember when Fringe came out? Fringe was like maybe yeah, that was and they 2007? had a, they had a uh, they had the twin, twin towers, towers in the back and the alternate. Yeah. And I remember talking to Carlin, um, Mike Carlin. He thought it was too soon. And I said to Mike, I said, "Oh, did you watch Fringe?" And he goes, "Yeah, you know the the." Alternate world Twin yeah. Towers was. It felt like it was too soon. Right now, see, Mike's sister worked in one of the towers, oh, and yeah. she, she got died. out. Okay. Oh, oh, thank God! But I mean, they went through the oh, everybody goes to the other tower because this one, you know, right. and then they have to leave. Yeah. So I mean, it's it. Someone's going to always have a more personal connection. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think you have to. Well, I don't know how long you have to wait, though. Well, but because for some people, that's that never going to go wait. away. No. Obviously, and does that stop you from doing it? It really shouldn't, but you still have to be sensitive. No, but I'm to saying it. Joseph Heller wrote Catch Twenty Two. Yeah, well, after I mean, the like, war, I mean, you know the, the horrific stuff that happened in you know in the camps or whatever. Yeah. there's a point where you don't necessarily want to see happy-go-lucky stuff. Oh no, you're never going to do something but, funny about the, but you the, the know concentration. That, that in any human situation, that there was very likely that somebody was able to lo- light. I look at the movie Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Which is a, a, you know, takes place in Germany, yeah. the last days of the war. His mother, spoiler and it's alert, it's, right. and he's Germans right. and the Hitler Youth. Right. You would never think that you would have an uplifting story right. about a kid that's in the Hitler Youth who's hiding a Jewish girl in this upstairs house. But, the but that's one of it, the greatest movies I've ever seen it in is my a life. Great movie. Yeah. And the key to it is that the original story didn't have the kid with his imaginary friend Hitler. Oh, oh that was added? By that Tukiti was added. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know so, that. I, mean, I never a, read the story. That's something that gives you a little bit of a re- safety Oh, and, and, and that's another thing, too. Hitler, in that movie, is hysterical. Yeah. Because Tukiti... And he's still... To, He's Hitler. He's, he's, the, he's the most right. ultimate devil right. you could think of. Right. But Taikiti, Taiki, I can never say it right. Ta-i-ki. The guy that made Thor Ragnarok, Watiki, Taiki, which whatever. Yeah. He was hysterical. As he was, it yeah. was the whole thing was cracking yeah. me up. And it doesn't mean you're going to laugh at what happened. No, I was crying my eyes out at that movie at no. the end of the picture. But I mean, if you ever, do you ever see the? Uh, op- um, uh, what was the one with? Uh, it was a uh, Preston Sturgis with Joel McRae, where he's the director no. who's tired of making the happy movies because it's during the depression. So he he skips out and pretends to be a hobo, and he actually winds up being a hobo going across America. Oh, <clears throat> I can't think. Of Palm, it's not the Palm Beach. No, the Palm Beach story. No, what year? Seventies. No, it's 1940. Oh, God, no. Yeah, so Joel McRae and Veronica Lake. Joel McRae from uh, Carousel? Joel McRae from... No, no. Joel Joel McRae was was the the dead end. Hammerstein and... He was in the Bogart dead end. It was the basis for the Newsboy Legion, basically. The dead end kids. Yeah, Yeah. but the movie Dead End was the start of those. But wasn't that with the Bowery Boys? Before they were spun yeah. off. Well, they were yeah. called the Dead End Kids. <clears throat> but anyways, Joel McRae was in a lot of westerns. Or whatever. He was yeah, a big but Joel McRae was also in this... No, Gordon McRae is the guy. Oh, Gordon McRae, I'm yeah. thinking of. Joel McRae was like mostly in westerns. He's the one from Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful morning. That was a different, yeah, that was That's a different not him, too? No. 
Who the hell am I thinking of? You're thinking of probably Gordon McRae or something. What McRae am I talking about? Joel McRae was like an action star. He was in Foreign Correspondent, hit, uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was kind of Indiana Jones in that thing. Right, 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 right. So anyways, this movie is he's a Hollywood director, and he basically drops out and bums the... You know, goes on the road. Yeah, because he wants to research a, a movie hobo. that means something. That's he becomes something a important. hobo. He becomes a hobo. Winds up getting arrested. Yeah. Winds up on a chain gang. Yeah, and then in the midst of this, he's sitting with the, all these other prisoners, and they're allowed one perk. They get to see like Mickey Mouse cartoons, cartoons. Yeah. and these guys. He's looking around. These guys are all laughing, and he basically it's a life lesson yeah because he wants to make this serious movie called Oh Brother Where Art Thou which the Coen brothers then did right? really? it's that all tied the title into of it. it yeah I know that movie with George Clooney from it yeah oh so anyways but the idea is no matter how bad things are people still want to laugh yeah and that's the lesson that in any horrible situation there's still going to be some humor there has to be yeah yeah so that's why I say what was like, the point of this conversation? When, when is it too soon to reflect something? There's plenty of uplifting stories about what's going on, and yeah, people have died, and it's horrible, but art is always about telling some kind of story that's The beauty of the human soul, triumphant. Something that's interesting. Right. So it doesn't seem like it would be too early to do your, you know... Yeah. So WandaVision, you know, my Tales of, uh, tales yeah. of Lockdown... Yeah. I mean, we've all tales, experienced do-da, different things. Do-da. What? You know, we've all experienced different things during that time. It's like a wasted year for a lot of people, but I look at it as it's I a year that I chess. survived. Right? I mean, so that's how I look at it. People. But I'm saying, it's like, you know, it, it really, we're at the anniversary of a year. We are. It was one year ago that I canceled all my, uh, my GamerCon. Before the state told me, because I'm Mitch Conscientious, I said, you know... I got a bad feeling about this. I don't think this is going away. So I called them up and I said, can we cancel the uh, video game show? They go, are you sure? I said, sure. And then three days later, the governor said, lockdown. And everything got locked down. But it is what it is. Hey, man. You know, so when does this Captain America Winter Soldier starts? Next Friday. It does start next Friday. It does, Sarah. Do you know it's been a, you know, a year ago? To, to, if people <laughs> check the TerrificCon website. Yeah. As I started, but I wasn't thinking about it at the time. But I started drawing Captain Terrificon as different stages right, throughout right. the comic book history. Right. Like here's a '40s version, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a '50s version, and then I was going to do a poster where I put, you know, comics. It's all about comics and show all the different types. Right. And then I realized yesterday, I was like, oh, I could turn that into like a little slideshow. And I did Golden Age, Modern, yeah, Silver Age, this and that. I didn't do romantic comics or romance comics, but it was like, oh. That's how the character... What show was that? Um, wasn't there a movie or was it Shaken? I'm thinking... Oh, no, it was Simpsons. Remember they turned Radioactive Man? And did they have to adapt him to different things? Like, suddenly it was like a... What, what am I thinking of? He was like a big Arnold Schwarzenegger character with all these muscles. And then he was like the original... Was that him? Or, was that a comic? Oh, maybe it's The Escapist? There was some comic where they took a 40s oh, hero well, well, they, and then he changed him into the... How he adapted into the, how he adapted into the yeah, 50s and yeah. the 60s and then it was like suddenly all juiced up like yeah. in the 90s version. Yeah, that would have been probably the Dark Horse comic, right? Was it, is that what I'm thinking of? Because there was some comic yeah. book where there was like they took well, this Horse hero like and they the moved him around. Yeah. The well, they did that with The Simpsons too, though. 
they yeah, the they're like, oh, here's man. the new but radioactive the man. Comics, yeah, they did the more radioactive man in the comics. It was in the comic book. Maybe that's what right. I'm thinking of. It's like, like you know, like whatever became versus, of the Man of yeah. Tomorrow type of thing. It's like, yeah. oh no, there he is. He's he's the old right. version. And then they had the super muscular, the super muscular version. Yeah. yeah. You ever read that story? You must have read that. Whatever happened to the world of the Man of Tomorrow? The Ellen Moore one? Yeah, the Superman story. Oh, yeah. The no, first one? Yeah. Because yeah. that was right before we That's started. when everything switched over, yeah. That was the bridge or the end of the Julie Was that Sports done on purpose? Era. They said, oh, write a story about this is going to be the well, last one. Julie knew he was passing the baton, and they gave him the opportunity to do his, you know, coda. Julie Schwartz? Julie Schwartz. Told Alan to write this? Is that the origins of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, Julie... I thought Alan Moore just wrote the story. No. Julie was... Stepping he down. knew he was, you know, handing the baton to Andy Helfer. Yeah, they were going to re- revamp it, so he was given a chance to do his, you know, end story. That's his swan song. Yeah, his Kurt Swan song. Yeah, and Alan Moore had written other Superman stuff right. for Julie, right. so yeah. there were some really nice stories that he'd done over the. He did the Black Orchid thing, right? Yeah, yeah. He also did some really nice uh, DC Presents stories that were really good. I mean, Alan definitely loved the fifties yeah. Superman. Not to extend this too much. Go ahead. I was watching. I have to try to cobble together watching, a reasonable show from all I've this. I've been watching the the uh, season three and four of uh, the Adventures of Superman because I've gotten. You're still on that, yeah? Yeah, I just put it aside and I was. Isn't like, it oh, not on watch. the HBO Max? No, apparently not. It was on the. It was DC on the thing, DC not, thing, yeah. Oh, that I sucks. The, I had the the discs from uh, birthday present. Yeah. A couple, maybe last I a year ago. The first season. That's it. And uh, I had watched the first two black and white ones so these are the color ones and what's interesting to me was that I can see the appeal to them even to this day yeah the color is really beautiful I mean they're oh well they came out they're not they're not like restored to any great degree but the color palette's really nice and they were still broadcast there's still a lot of gray but they were broadcast in black and white because color didn't come out until 60s really I mean as far as right but they were filmed in color. Yeah. yeah, I remember when he met um, the pirate ship in color. That was but really the stories, bright. The stories are just dopey fun. Yeah, you know they're inoffensive. Chuck Connors and with a donkey. The Chuck Connors one is hilarious. Yeah, you know um, I'm the real Superman. But there's actually there's actually a couple of really good ones in that run too um, that are have more depth to them than they kind of get credit for or even deserve. There's one where this young lady is married to an older guy and they invite she invites Superman and she's going to donate a three way she, she no she oh. invites him to do tricks that's what I mean at a, a three way and she he goes I don't really Superman she's talking to Clark Kent I don't really do that she said well I'm willing to pay $20,000 and Superman can donate that to a charity so it's like how do we turn it down so Superman's at this house and it turns out it's to an audience of three people and Jimmy and Lois. And he's showing off his powers. Like he takes her diamond and he crushes Crushes it it, into powder and then he reforms it somehow. I mean, but the actual episode was really interesting because it was all about trying to... This guy had... The husband had uh, been a counterfeiter and they had these plates that had been confiscated for a criminal trial by the district attorney. So Superman's being occupied while this guy's got somebody breaking into the, the files yeah. and stealing the printing plates for $20 bills or whatever back. Okay. And then he tricks Superman into flying what he thinks is Jimmy Olsen's portrait of them undeveloped. 
you know, like a film cartridge. Yeah, yeah. Flying to the kingdom of Moravia or something. Okay. Um, but it's more involved. And I was like watching this going, wow, this, this is really interesting. It's not a Saturday morning kids show. No, but at the end of the episode, like, it re- revealed that this guy had stolen all of the girl's money. She was an heiress, but she was suddenly poor. And he, what he held over her was the fact that how do you think you'd feel? You'd be so humiliated, humiliated to be, uh, you know, like, broke. Yeah. Like, that was a really bad was, thing. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. You know, lose all your money. Even yeah. though he's the one who basically swindled her. And at the very end of the episode, Clark Kent's sitting at his desk, and the same girl comes in dressed in normal clothes, mm. and she hands him the copy to edit, yeah. And he goes, oh. And she says, yes, Perry White offered me a job here. And I, I feel like it was just like a really uplifting. Right, 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 right. But it was so complete as in an a episode. In a 30-minute show? Yeah. Wow. It was very impressive, even though, again, it was dopey in its own way. Um, but they would do that. And I think those are the episodes, kind of like watching X-Files or whatever, where there were key episodes that were yeah. really yeah, good. Yeah, and yeah. they overwhelmed and made up for the ones that were kind of like. Lackluster. Eh. Yeah. So I only like, like the Monsters of the Week shows. Those were my you're favorite. You're left files. with like a good impression of it. So, <laughs> is it weird that when I still think of Superman, I always think of George Reeves? Because yeah. that's the one I grew up with. When I was watching it when I was a kid on Channel Eleven, they yeah. they show the reruns every yeah. night. Well, we had be, a, they ran them Saturday morning. Yeah, sometimes it'd be back to back. It'd be an hour long of Superman, and they were the black and white. I didn't have a color TV, so yeah, they were all yeah. black and white. Right. So, but that was always it. He was this authoritative like dad type of guy. Right. So like show up. Now, Jimmy, is that right. what we really want to do? Right. Golly, Mr. Kent, you're right. you're right. You know, so it was always that he type knew of thing. Better. Right. He was always an older Superman. Yeah. He was never young. That's why when Christopher Reed came around, I go, he's like Superboy, huh? It's because he was always younger. Right. You know what I mean? Just the older, just seemed like a like a teacher well, or a really, priest or something like that. I a, think as, as if you like the character, we've been really lucky because we had George Reeves, we had Christopher Reeve. I think Henry Cavill's a terrific Superman. Yeah. You know, um, now we have the TV show. I like show. the new guy. Yeah, with the TV Taylor show going. Hock- yeah. Hockland? Hockland. Or Hockland or yeah. something. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been lucky in that we've had good actors. The curse of Superman has always been, like Christopher Reeve, even in the terrible movies, he always no, was still good. good. He was always good. I mean, yeah. he, he embodied the character, and he, he kind of like... Surpassed the material. Yeah, yeah. Um, George Reeve also Reeves had like a embodiment of a character yeah, that yeah. even if it's dopey, he was still solid. That's what I'm saying. You're like, oh, Henry Cavill. Okay. The same argument can be made. He's good with. I mean, even even um, in Superman Returns, the um, uh, Brandon Ralph. Brandon Ralph was good. He was just not served by, by the this, material. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> so I mean. That's kind of something to hold on to, you know. I like that uh, George Reeves' Clark Kent wasn't a wimp. He was like not swift to Superman, but he wasn't a jerk. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh golly gee, you know. Well, there's a lot. But of I like, like Christopher Reeves' Clark Kent. Yeah. He was good. I like well, there's him. a lot of winking at you know. The yeah, camera. always at the camera. Well, gee, Lois, well, I wouldn't know what I would tell Superman. And one of the, epi- into the, one camera. Of the episodes on season four yeah. was an entire episode was dr- Lois dreaming. Because she's supposed she to write the Superman. yeah, she's yeah. supposed to write the advice column, the love yeah. for the love lord. Yeah, the love lord. And yeah. she winds up 
dreaming this whole thing about Superman giving her an engagement ring. Yeah. And then Clark Kent. Is that when he takes a lump of coal? And then she says, no, she says to, you know, Clark, I'm really sorry. And then at some point she goes, gee, am I making a mistake marrying Superman? What if I really love Clark Kent? And he's like, well, I don't think that's a problem, Lois. And then he he admits that he's... Oh, I never saw that. In the dream, right? He says... I'm really Superman. I'm actually Superman. And, And then when she comes out of the dream, she's like trying to... Well, you're Superman. You told me. And he's like, whoa, Lois, that was a dream. It was, like, kind of cruel. And it yeah, ends yeah, with yeah, her yeah, actually yeah. crying yeah. and being, like, really sad, which was like, wow, oh, that's actually kind of deep. Yeah. There was a weird episode of MASH where Klinger has got a kidney stone and he's having delusions. And a soldier dies. And he's the ghost is walking around throughout the episode. But Klinger can see him, which is really weird. Like, the guy's dead. He's like a ghost. And he's talking to people. But Klinger can see him. And he's talking to him. And he's, like, having fever dreams. And he's like, uh, you know. And at the end of the episode, uh, Klinger wakes up okay. His kidney stone passes. And he's like, hey, what happened to Tompkins? They're like, what? He's like, did he finally see his folks? Because he's all these things that right, he right. the ghost type. And they just ignore him. Like, yeah, you were having a fever. And they walk away. And then you just see Jamie Farr look at the camera like, what? And that's how it ends. It's like uh, really creepy. It's so like they didn't say Tompkins it, died. Too no, they ago. don't tell him. They don't tell him because he's like, how would he know? Him? Because yeah. he was like in the hospital when his ghost was walking around. So there's it's two, a really weird episode. There's a couple of other good shows that I think you would maybe interested Mash? in. No, oh. that are on now. One of them is Resident Alien. You never finished your story about debris. You started and you well, just that was, went off. I was going to say, I haven't caught up Aliens with that. up to like five or six episodes, and it's really good. Debris on five episodes? No, no, oh. Resident Alien. Oh, and that's with the Dark Horse comic. Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny, weird. Is that on Sci-Fi? It's on Sci-Fi Wednesdays at ten. Okay, I'll check. The that other out. one is Debris, yes. which is created by one of the guys who worked on Fringe. And it's on so NBC. It's, it's on NBC, like Monday night or something. Yeah, it's kind of weird time because I'm not, not watching TV. It's ten o'clock Monday yeah. night, yeah. and it's two episodes in. It's pretty interesting because the casting is weird. The guy who plays the lead male has always played bad guys, yeah. so he's got a kind of a weird vibe to him. And um, the show is is about a spaceship that apparently, like seven years ago. They saw this big object, and it, it was clearly they think it's a spaceship, but it broke up and in in, atmos- in the atmosphere right, right, and right. is falling as debris, and the debris has some kind of properties. So people, the government's trying to grab all the pieces because the pieces are dangerous. Like depending on where what's from the, the ship, thing, alien life. They haven't in- indicated any alien life, but all the debris itself. Like in the first episode, the debris had some kind of teleportational aspect. So if you got a piece of it, oh, no, you I would be able it. to teleport. Oh, that's cool. And the other one, it was cloning people. Oh, and that was really? creepy. Yeah, it was like this one, like the second episode. Oh, you got episode, the other rock and it made a stupid They go to this town where all metal objects are being sucked towards like a central location, like a big circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like a only guy still in town and he's kind of crazy. Yeah. And when they grab him, the, the two different agents split up to chase. And yeah. they both go, I got them, but they're at different places, and they got two versions of the guy, and then they find another version of them. It's it's kind of nuts, but it's intriguing. Yeah. Because, again, the, the, I'm wondering whether they're doing the, the casting of the, the lead male, that they purposely cast a guy who's known for playing bad guys, because it's hard to kind of 
get a read on him. Like, no, is right. he a good guy agent? Does he have some kind of thing? Is he possibly something that we don't know? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's intriguing. I'll check it out. Do you know how many shows there are that I haven't seen? I mean, they were so running many. them last night, actually, on Sci-Fi after Resident Alien at 11. They had the first episode of Debris. Oh, really? Oh, because NBC one. and Universal. Yeah, yeah. yeah same thing. Uh, but it's, it's intriguing. Dude, it's not like... I, I love, just try to catch up on The Simpsons, which I is all fringe. over the place lately. I love Fringe yeah. for all the whole run of it. But yeah. the Fringe had like humor in it yeah. that kind of balanced stuff. It was almost, you know, like the the humor was a big part of it. This one's more X-Files-ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but it's intriguing. The problem with shows like that is they don't have an end. And they just go on, and then they go on too long. And you realize, well, the show should have wrapped up by now. That's a sad thing. Well, the, if it was a limited series, you're like, good. Then yeah. you know there's a beginning. But I mean, the, the other one was, um, what was it, uh, NBC, I think another NBC show that had its second season about the plane crash. Yeah, the, the, the time thing. Yeah, right, 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 And that's going to go into a third. I saw Is that the, still on? Yeah, there's going to be a third season. Oh, I, I saw the so. first one, and it's really good. I forget what it's called, though. Oh, um, I know what you're talking it's about. It's got the guy who played... Uh, yeah, I know the show. They, they skip ahead five years, and then they show up. Yeah, the, the, the lead actor is the guy Timeline? Who, no, it's not Something like that? But the lead guy played um, uh, Fandral in the first Thor movie. Oh, Dallas? He was on, yeah, he was on the That's, Once uh, Upon a Dallas Time. That's Dallas Green. He was on Once Upon a Time. Yeah. yeah. I think his name's Dallas Green. Um, but he... I watched the first couple. Boy, the title of it is yeah. just evading me. Yeah. Um, Time flight. Lost luggage. Yeah. But anyways, so there's a lot of stuff like that. And like you're right. You like at this point with this debris show, I'm watching it, thinking what's going to happen. Yeah. With Resident Alien, there's like a premise that's set up that's yeah. really interesting. That is like whoa. I mean, but they reveal it yeah, right yeah, the yeah, first yeah, episode, yeah. and you go, "Whoa, that's actually pretty big." So then you're playing against it. Yeah, How is I, he going to get? A lot to of this stuff, I, like I said, it's just like there's nothing wrong with ending with something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like beginning and end. That's it. But, but Resident Alien is a, like, it was like a comic series, so there's, there's no clearly, second season, which yeah. I'm fine with. I'm yeah. like, you don't need a second season. That was it. And the same thing with that Watchmen show. Yeah. That was it. You don't need part two. It would have been nice. You do another take on it. I think you would yeah. get a different showrunner and do another part yeah. of the, of the but Watchmen it's not, universe. I, I don't think when you realize it's not going to be as good as the first one, you yeah. kind of walk away and go, let's just well, you call can, it a day. But I think if you found like a good showrunner who had a great idea for ten episodes, yeah. you would take another... Here's another corner of the Watchmen universe. I'm talking about WandaVision. WandaVision, the same thing. There's tons of comics and good comic stories, but WandaVision is like you're talking about putting puzzle pieces. That fits into the big timeline somehow. It maybe leads into the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. Because she's supposedly in it. She's in it, yeah. Um, And maybe that's something you know what I mean so maybe there is another if it's popular they're going to do another oh, season oh it is it was popular it was yeah. one of the biggest watch thing on the planet yeah. but now I go now don't you see the title means something totally different now yeah. WandaVision it was yeah. what she was seeing the world as right. and it wasn't right. the vision being the guy but it also it was wasn't her exactly point of view. tied to the comics no there was things which that were is why by. yeah because I saw some of the burns and my son Spencer goes well don't you hate watching this just because it ruined it for you I go no they're not Adapting this the story, they're, they're taking elements pieces. from it, yeah. yeah, and then they're making their own spin on it, and that's good. 
Yeah, like same thing with the Winter Soldier starting this week. They got U.S. Agent, but I don't think it's going to be panel for panel John Walker and you know all that stuff. But there's going to be elements, which is what they should do. They like pick and choose enough for the fans. Oh, look, they're mentioning this stuff. You so, know? what do you think the time count was for the? Was it nine episodes of WandaVision? Yeah, it was nine. Because they were kind of thirty. It was supposed minutes. to be ten. Because I heard the director on Kevin Smith, yeah. he said they originally had planned ten, yeah. and then they cut some stuff out, well, the and they ended up with nine. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was even more to it, like yeah. Mr. Senior Rabbit or whatever his name was, Senior uh, Scratch. Oh. He was going to turn into a big monster, and the two little boys were going to fight it because oh. that's what he was all along. Right. He was her familiar. Oh. He was um, Agatha's. So that's why the rabbit. Was the little rabbit was always around, but he turned into this big demon. Yeah. And uh, they cut that out because of time. They said, yeah. you know what? We need another yeah. couple weeks and that's going to delay it. That's what they said. They just cut it. They filmed it. They oh, didn't really? put the effects in it. Oh, so it's oh, like yeah. if they do a bonus disc, I'm sure they'll throw some shit in it. I kept expecting like as a bone to comic readers that they would have her hair, uh, Agatha's hair turn white during the oh, big fight or something. Oh, to look the big fight. I liked how, what's his name, was an actor that she just got to be this the Quicksilver. Yeah, that was Because Agatha Harkness wouldn't know Yeah what her brother looked well, it's just, like it's no I know because, but I'm just saying because she didn't he was in Sokovia yeah. and he got killed during the Ultron thing right. she wouldn't know what he looked like right, right. you know so she just grabbed a guy and just made right. and then it just happened to be Evan Peters right. who, and then that's when again the audience so made up their own oh my god own, right. it's, it's going to be the multiverse and, the yeah. and stuff and all I that. think that was very fun yeah. that they were screwing with everybody like no, and he was just a sad at work actor named Ralph Boner who right. lived upstairs. It was kind of funny. And he was a dick. He was a total dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was funny. No, the whole show wrapped up really well. I mean, you know, she becomes the Scarlet Witch finally. They then, oh, look, that was a certain title. Yeah. That was like the It's thing. interesting that Disney was able to get their 100 million subscribers. Oh, they did. Based on two shows. When yeah. everybody else is throwing like tons of shows, That's I'm my big sure complaint. Disney created the lockdown just to get people to but watch. I'm saying it, it was yeah. my big complaint was like I, there's I nothing only on had here. One show yeah. for that first year's worth of whatever seventy nine bucks. Yeah, it's not like they planned it that way. So they had planned on this stuff being on last year originally. Falcon and Winter Soldier was first, then WandaVision, then Loki. So now they moved Wanda up. Falcon and Winter Soldier was like filmed in Romania or something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. You'd think that they would just go, hey, screw that. (laughs) Yeah, screw the lockdown. We're filming. Yeah, they got insurance, lawyers, all that stuff. It's only six episodes. I was surprised by that, too. But I'm thinking, you know why? Because they could condense it into a two and a half hour movie and sell it. One is going to be hard to sell as a one-shot movie because yeah, it's three like hours. Hour, originally, mean, they, the originally the director said the first three episodes were supposed to be shown as one movie. Yeah. That would have made sense. Like she well, they showed some, the first three to critics. The, the critics, but that's yeah. how originally they wanted to drop it. But the big stuff... All right, wrap it up, Jerry. Anything that you need to promote this week or push? Uh, my eBay auction. Which, by the time I put this on. up tomorrow, it might goes be over Monday. With. All right. So if you, you want to own a piece Twitter. of original Jerry Ordway Batman 89 artwork, yes. go to eBay with your piggy bank yes. and spend away. And of course, you're always available for commissions, right? If you ever yes. want to. And I'm doing a cover. Somehow, I don't know how it works with the digital Batman 89, but I have a cover I'm doing for that. All right. And you got that 
Black Hammer thing coming soon. And I did, oh, there's two pages in Rob Liefeld's oh, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe number five. I did a, a when double When does that page. come out? I don't, I think it's probably got to be soon. And then I did a... Is that from Extreme Studios? It's from IDW. Oh, IDW, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I got, I mean, I have another thing I'm working on, and there's a... Uh, I did a cover for something for Archie that's... Oh, Archie? Not Can't say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I do have plans for other stuff. I'm working on my Proton thing. Yep. And then there's to always... get another chapter printed by Summer. And then there's always the world according to Jerry Ordway <laughs> that's filming now. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm like what that... Uh, who plays Jerry Ordway in the, who me. plays Jerry Ordway in the movie? Um, Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no? somebody like uh, somebody young and geeky. Young and geeky? Yes. Who would that be? I don't know. I don't know. Nowadays? Hey, we get the uh, let's get the guy who Toby played. McGuire is Jerry Ordway. <laughs> you can't stop crying. <laughs> I don't want this pizza, Sarah. <laughs> Why is he being so nerdy? I know the, the, the crying Spider-Man. I used to feel like there was people who, like, my daughter always said Bill Murray. And I'm like, Bill, Bill Murray's Murray? Like, he's like 10 years older than me. No, that's not going to play you. <laughs> no, I can't. But attitude-wise, it was John Cleese and Bill Murray were always suggested. You need somebody with that subtle sense of humor. The sarcastic sense of humor. Who's there nowadays? I mean, nowadays, no. Who does that Bill Murray shtick? Paul Rudd. Oh, man. But he's kind of like close to my age. No, he's only like fifty-four. But who would who would play me young? When I was hearing that was fifty-nine years old, I was like, "Oh, uh, Ralph Macchio is going to be 60 I'm like, yeah. "Really? That makes sense." He doesn't look like he's shaved. That movie was what eighty-four, three, eighty-three, eighty-four. Yeah. Right. It was definitely before Back to the Future. Oh. Uh, well, next week, you and I are up to see Justice League. Tune in yes. for that, kids. That'll be With no beer involved because no, it's a four-hour four movie. It'll be like, there's like a, I think DT. there's a 20-minute or we'll something have to intermission. Just, you know, just, just shots of wild turkey right there. That would be something. Right there. The end of the movie would be great. Should I bring a bottle? You guys never came out of the bathroom. Oh, whatever. We saw our own movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. And Zack I'm Snyder. I'm forward to it. I just keep thinking of four hours. I know... I'm it's looking in time forward thing. to it. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not saying I'm going to love it. Endgame was three hours. But I'm thinking it, it, it can't be worse than what well, we saw. Don't say that. You never know. You never know. Given four hours, anything could be good. Yeah, I didn't like, like when he did the Watchmen, the super extended one. It's I didn't too like much. it. It was too, too long. much. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that. How long is that? It's long. It's like three and a half hours. Is it? Really? I don't think I've seen it. No. And. What did he one, add to it? There's a, all the Tales of the Black Freighter. Oh, then I did see that. All that's integrated into it and extra stuff. And it really felt... Because, like, I watched the regular theatrical cut. I did, And I too. felt like yeah. it was too short. It didn't have enough in it. Yeah. But the other one had almost too much. Oh. But depending on the subject see, matter... See, I watched one version that that was all animated and it was a separate story. It was a separate thing, yeah. yeah. That's the same one? It's cut into it. It's cut into yeah. it. Oh. Yeah. You do well. Wrap it up. Say goodnight. This reminded me of something. Say goodnight, Jerry. It's two hours. This has been a production of Big Fedora Marketing, LLC. 
the folks that bring you the terrific Comic-Con, GamerCon, and so much more. Thanks for listening.